brown, yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus died for all the children, all the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Is it for me, dear Savior? service this morning and uh, I'd like to say uh, thank God for blessing each one of us to meet again each Sunday and uh, we just want to thank him that whatever we're going through to let everyone know that we have the victory through Christ Jesus who strengthens us yes but I also would like everyone to take a moment this morning look at who whom you're sitting around with and just look at them and tell them God loves them Tell them they are precious and valuable. God loves them and you love them also. So I'm gonna take a moment to do that myself. God loves you, you are precious and valuable. God loves you and I love you. So with that, I will turn that over to uh, the next person. <laughs> All right, let's pray. God, we are so thankful for your provision. And we ask that you continue to be with our world, with our country, with our state, and with our city. But we also pray, Father, that you be just with our church family. Uh, bring us back together as soon as possible, Father, when it is safe for us to do so, so that we may enjoy each other's fellowship. But may we also continue to be together in spirit and truth as we worship together the one true God. Father, we lift you up knowing that you have, as Marcellus mentioned, already secured the victory. 
no matter what we go through in this life, through physical ailments, through losses and grief, we know, Father, that you have us in your hands and you're bringing us home uh, to the place that your son has prepared for us. May we continue to trust in him and have faith in that. Uh, May we continue to bring your kingdom into this world through our kindness and our patience with others, uh, through the way that we treat those around us uh, in the moments of stress, in the moments of worry, in the moments of crisis. Help us to find new and creative ways, Father, to serve one another in your name and through your spirit. We thank you, Father, for Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross. May we continue to dwell on that this morning as we worship together. In your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the scripture reading today is from Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, whoever, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live.
church family. It's good to see everyone. Um, too bad we're not in person to see everyone, but it's still good to see everyone's faces. Um, I wanted to, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how we're all currently in a waiting pattern. We're all waiting to go back to work at our office locations. We're waiting to go back to school. We're waiting to see others in person. We're waiting to get back to normal. Um, the Israelites understood waiting. They, they were waiting for the promised land as they traveled through Egypt. They were waiting for a king um, and on someone to be anointed. They were waiting for the temple to be rebuilt. And then they were waiting for the Messiah to come. Uh, in the same way, the apostles were waiting for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then um, the Holy Spirit comes on them in, in uh, Acts chapter 2, and Peter talks to the, all the different people that are there for the Passover. So let's go now to... Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by you, by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him up to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now let's move down to uh, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, 
whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. The Israelites were focusing, the Israelites were waiting and focusing so much on that that they completely missed the Messiah. In our current time of waiting, may we not miss Jesus. May we not miss the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And we, may we not miss the reason we come together today, which is remembering the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's pray as we pray for the bread. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are with us in this time. We thank you that we have the ability to still get together and worship as one body. I ask that we take this bread and we remember your son and his death on the cross and all that his body went through for our sins. But may we remember, Lord, that he was raised from the dead and glorified for you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we take this fruit of the vine, may we think on your son and his sacrifice of his blood that he shed for our sins and how his blood washes us clean and allows us to be among your presence, Lord. Thank you so much for allowing him to go to that cross and die for us. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing each week as we, we come together here. I couldn't but help but think as, as Peter was sharing his thoughts. An unusual thing to think that, that while we are in all these different places that we could be taking communion together. And yet you have to, to, to think that uh, the God looking down and seeing us taking communion in all these different places and talking about doing it together is just the most obvious thing ever. Uh, in God's eye, uh, every Sunday morning, as the sun rises in the farthest, east, most easternmost parts of the world, and as the sun moves over the face of the earth, uh, people wake up. And Christians in every country, as the sun reaches it, wake up, prepare to go to church, whether it's a church in their homes, or a church that's in a building, or a church that's meeting in hiding, or a church uh, that's on Zoom. And as the sun moves across the world, people gather in different places, and yet they take communion together. And what a blessing it is that that happens. And it, and it really happens by the gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and among us, that connects us even when we're apart. We're continuing to look at this, uh, the Holy Spirit this week, uh, especially as it shows up in the Old Testament. And last week we talked about some of the kind of challenges of, of, of studying the uh, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And one of the challenges is that the Holy Spirit doesn't really show up in the exact and precise way that we think about the Spirit. So in the same way that when you think about Jesus in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus as the boy who was born to Mary and who lived and walked and performed miracles and had apostles and disciples um, doesn't show up in the Old Testament in that way. But we know from John chapter 1 that Jesus was there, that he existed, that he was present. And we know from reading uh, the prophecies um, that Jesus, the Messiah, is foretold and that he is uh, anticipated and that people are waiting for him and praying for him and excited for him, but they don't know exactly uh, what he's going to be like. 
And there's debates, uh, even as Jesus is born and as he starts his ministry, uh, when he asks the question, who do people say I am? He's saying, what do people say about the Messiah? Do some people think that I'm him? Do people think I'm someone else? And all of these conversations, which are really Old Testament conversations echoing into the present in the Gospels, are talking about what's expected of the Messiah. Well, we've got the same thing going on in the Old Testament with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a truth. The Holy Spirit existed. The Holy Spirit is present uh, in the Old Testament, but they don't exactly understand what it is that they're writing about. They're not sure what the Messiah is going to be like when the Messiah arrives, and they're not sure what the Holy Spirit is going to be like when the, the Spirit is fully revealed in what we really see uh, in Acts, but as we also read about in the Gospels and as Paul teaches about many of his, his letters. And, and so the Old Testament gives us a lot of insight into what the Spirit uh, has been doing all throughout uh, history all throughout uh, from the time of creation forward. And, and when we look at what is going on in the Old Testament, it, it gives us some insight into what we should uh, read and understand and study in the New Testament. And in fact, in a little bit, we're going to get to Romans chapter 8, which uh, Remington read some for us uh, earlier today. And we're going to look at, at what Paul understands the Spirit to be doing, connected to what the Spirit has always been doing, and yet in a new, a new way. So we'll see how that all connects. Uh, the other challenge of studying the Holy Spirit in, in the Old Testament uh, is that the word that is generally used to describe uh, the Spirit of God is also the same word as you get for wind or breath. So the wind or breath or Spirit of God. And it creates a real challenge for translators uh, who at times translate it as wind and at times translate it as breath and at times translate it as spirit. So they've got to use context. Uh, but even as they translate it differently, what you see is there is this kind of ancient Hebrew, uh, ancient Israelite connection between all of them, that the breath of God brings life in a way that, that fills uh, a body with an animating spirit that the wind of God brings the presence of God, and that the wind of God, when it shows up, changes things. And so we see all of these connected in different ways, and it plays out in different um, passages differently. And we looked at some of those last week, and we're going to keep looking at those uh, today. The one that I, I want to start with today is looking uh, right at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let me see if... We can get this screen share to work. Um, so we're looking for the Ruach, the breath, wind, and spirit of God in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What we see here, that word spirit is underlined, and throughout all these scriptures that we're going to be looking at today, you'll see that I've, I've kind of underlined the word ruach, wherever it shows up, that Hebrew word. Uh, but right here at the very beginning, where God is about to begin the work of creating all that we know to be in the universe, it says that the ruach of God was hovering above the waters. And some translations actually trans this, translate this as, as the, the breath or the wind of God, because they've got that kind of challenge of translation, is hovering over the waters. Um, but as it's been pointed out, wind doesn't really hover. And that word there, hover, has the idea um, not really of, of moving or blowing. Uh, it has the idea of, I've, I've heard it described as being uh, like an eagle that's hovering and flying, that catches a wind and, and floats uh, on wings, where it's just hovering on the air and the, the wind that's above it. And then in that way, uh, we see uh, that the Spirit of God is floating, hovering, soaring above the waters. And in the ancient world, when we talk about um, when we talk about deep waters, you're also almost always talking about some level of chaos. Uh, the Israelites always felt that deep waters were chaotic, and they were uh, frightened of them in, in many occasions. 
And, and so when you see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, you get the idea that as the creation is about to be spoken into existence, that as the Word of God is going to, to speak light and earth and wind and animals and all of that into creation, that the Spirit is there and present above the waters. And you get the idea that the Spirit is already existing over and against the chaos that God is bringing into order, that the Spirit is there. And so where John 1 tells us that the Word was, was God and was with God and became flesh and the, that all things were created through the Word, we get this teaching in John's Gospel that Jesus is present in the very beginning and is involved and very active in the creating of all that we know. And what we see here in Genesis 1 is not only is God speaking and through his very word, bringing the creation into being, but the spirit is also there, hovering above the waters, ruling over the chaos, bringing order into what God is doing. The spirit's creative power was there uh, as part of what the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were doing in the creation of the world. We see this again in Psalm 33, verses 6 and 7, uh, which say, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth, the ruach of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. The psalmist here bringing that imagery of, of breath, wind, and spirit together to talk about how, how when God speaks, that the breath, the wind, the spirit of God gathers together, the starry host, that, that the heavens were made just by the speaking and the breathing of God's mouth. The power uh, takes place and the spirit uh, is at work. And when the spirit is involved, things happen. You know, we've had a couple storms the past couple days, and, and when a storm blows through, the wind leaves evidence of its presence. The wind moves things. You feel the wind because it, it blows against your skin. And the Spirit has that idea in the Old Testament, that when the Spirit shows up, things change. That when the Spirit shows up, you know that the Spirit is present. Uh, that all of these things are part of what God is doing in the world. But not only is, is the Spirit involved in creating and in the beginning in the forming, uh, the Spirit is involved in the sustaining of life. And we don't normally think about God being involved in the sustaining of life, but this is a really important concept uh, for how the Hebrews understood God's role in the ongoing uh, creation, the ongoing sustaining of the entire universe. And so you see this kind of in the reverse way, uh, in, in the story about the flood in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 7, where God says, I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the ruach of life in it, everything on earth will perish. And there's this word again, ruach of life. And the idea that, that, that God is communicating here in Genesis chapter 6 is that Every single being that lives has this spirit infused into it. And when the flood comes, it not only removes the breath out of their bodies, it removes the spirit from their bodies. And everything on earth will perish because it has lost its ruach. Similar idea in Job 34, where uh, one of the, the friends of Job is coming together and they're talking about how God functions and how God rules and the very nature of God and the kind of philosophical theological arguments that, are, that fill the many chapters of Job. And in this one, in Job 34, it says, if it were his, talking about God's intention, and he withdrew his ruach and breath, if he withdrew his spirit, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. And we don't normally think about uh, life in this way. We don't think about our life being sustained by the Spirit of God. But for the Hebrews, they very clearly understood that God's Spirit gave ongoing, sustaining life to their every movement. That if God withdrew His Spirit from you, that you would cease to exist, you would return to the dust. That a major part of what keeps you alive is God's ongoing, sustaining spirit, his breath that exists in each one of us. And so in the Old Testament, humanity cannot exist 
without God's Spirit providing for us by giving us ongoing, sustaining life. It comes up again in, in Psalms 104, where the psalmist writes, All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their ruach, they die and return to the dust. When you send your ruach, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. I really want to highlight in, in this Psalm 104 passage that so often, almost all translations of this passage, uh, in spite of the fact that, that the word breath and the word spirit there are both the same Hebrew word that we've been talking about today, they almost always translate them differently, often as breath and spirit, uh, or spirit and breath, sometimes they're switched to the other way around, but it loses something of the power of what the psalmist is saying when you don't know that it's the same word, because this psalm is proclaiming that the animals have food to eat because God provides. When God opens his hand, the creation has all that it needs to remain ongoing and sustaining. But when God hides his face, it's terrifying. That, that the, that when God shows up, everything is good. But when God withdraws his spirit and hides his face, only death can exist. And so there towards the end, it says, when you take away their ruach, they die and return to the dust. But when you send your ruach, they are created, and the entire creation is made new again. And so again, this idea over and over and over again that God's people have understood all throughout history that when God sends his spirit, there is life, and when God withdraws his spirit, there is death. Uh, in Ecclesiastes 12, in verse 7, it says, Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from and the ruach returns to God who gave it. God gives us that which gives us life and animating life and energy and lets us you know, go ongoing in every uh, day and minute and hour that you have is sustained and granted by the provision of the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God, which infuses you with his wind, his breath, his spirit. Now, all of this um, is helpful for us when we arrive now in Romans chapter 8, when we get into some of Paul's real uh, serious thinking about how the Spirit works in the life of the Christian, the one who is now in Christ and the one who believes in Jesus, uh, we come to something else altogether. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 13, when Paul's writing and he says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Paul clearly is someone who has studied uh, the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament passages throughout his life as a Pharisee and as, uh, as a teacher. And now when he's teaching Christians about what the Spirit is doing, it's no surprise that he starts pulling these Old Testament ideas forward. You don't live in the realm of flesh. You live in the realm of Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now gives life to our mortal bodies. The flesh leads to death, but the Spirit leads to life. And even though in the Old Testament they did not understand that the Spirit of God would come to dwell in us as if we were God's temple, so that we would actually become beings who have the fruit of the Spirit growing and developing in us as character traits and, and giving us the character of God as we become more loving and patient and kind and all the different fruits that are mentioned in that passage. But the Spirit also brings us life, and it creates anew. 
So that Paul continues to write, he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Going down even a little bit further, Paul writes again, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. The spirit does and always have given life. The spirit gives life. The spirit makes alive. The spirit is alive. The Spirit is what brought Jesus back from the dead, and the Spirit is what brings us eternal life for those that it lives in and dwells in. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us that it happens, and yet it is a surprise to the apostles. When Jesus is teaching them in in John 13 and 14 and 15 about why he's got to leave so that the Spirit can come, he's talking about the Spirit coming in a new way and in a new, uh, new form. So the breath of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God has always been present, has always had creative force, has always had life-sustaining ability, has always been able to bring the entire creation into continual restoration and newness and ongoingness. And that's always been part of what the Ruach of God has been about. Now Paul starts telling followers of Jesus, those who are in Christ, Yeah, but now the Spirit is going to dwell in you and among you. And get ready, because it's going to give you life. And it's going to recreate in you. And the entire creation has been aching for this to happen, because the Spirit that hovered above the waters in the beginning of the creation is now hovering in the people of Jesus who are bringing, as the adopted children of God, the new creation into being in the world that we live in today. We continue doing this today, this life-giving, life-sustaining, new creation work that the Spirit has always been involved with as part of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, working together to constantly bless and restore and renew as he brings us towards new life. Next week, what we're going to look at is that not only is the Spirit in the Old Testament a creating and life-sustaining Spirit, that the Ruach of God is involved in recreating, in the presence of God, in the guiding of the people of God, the leading of the people, the sending of the people, and the empowering of God's people to have all that they need to do this and, and everything that God is calling us to do. We're even going to see that that when Samson needed the ability to do it, it's the Ruach of God that comes on him and enables him to do the work of being fierce in the face of God's enemies. And in the same way, all of this is foreshadowing. All of this is anticipating what the Spirit does in the New Testament and what we are blessed by today. And we have to continue anticipating that the Spirit will do this in our lives today and in the lives of all of those who are in Jesus that we will be new created, recreated, that we will experience the presence of God, the guiding, the leading, the sending, and the powering of God through the work of the Spirit in our lives. In some ways, we know now uh, what the Old Testament uh, writers anticipated and what the New Testament Christians experienced and what we all too often take for granted. But it's also just the Holy Spirit doing what the Holy Spirit has always done. At this time, we're going to have uh, a closing song and some prayers from one of our shepherds and, and a couple of announcements.
from the number of participants that are signed on today. We do have a few less. This is a holiday weekend, so we obviously have some members traveling. Uh, hopefully, some of them were able to join us this morning. I can see that while Peter Brenninger is over entertaining the Steiger's little ones, uh, the little one this morning, that uh, Amanda and their kids are coming to us from what appears to be inside a vehicle. Either that or that is some very unique living room decor. Uh, be careful on the road. Our uh, prayer requests this morning include Brandy who says, keep praying for me. She has been in our prayer several times lately for various things and we want to keep petitioning God on her behalf. Jan says that Betty McAdams has been readmitted to the hospital, so she continues to struggle uh, with her illness. Chelsea Key says, my mom's other cousin we've asked for prayers for, Donnie, passed today from COVID. He's the brother of Carolyn, mom's cousin that passed last week. Prayers for the family, please. Yes, indeed, this family is obviously struggling at this time. Mildred Lopez asked us to pray for Horacio's back to continue healing and for Bessie, who is starting medical terminology class, pray that everything goes well with the start of school for her. Beverly, uh, Betty Massey's aunt had hip surgery this last week and is recovering from that. We continue to pray that she has a good recovery. We also, as I said, want to keep in mind those who are traveling for the holiday weekend. And following the prayer, we would ask everyone to stay on momentarily. Please don't log off immediately because we do have a special announcement to follow. Let's go to God together. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have continued to instill your spirit within us to keep our spirit alive and well during this trying time while we have been apart in body. We ask you to renew that spirit continually. We thank you for giving us that breath that keeps us moving and motivated and alive. And we pray for these who have asked for prayers this morning for Brandy, who continues to deal with several issues for Betty McAdams, who has gone back into the hospital as her illness continues to wreak havoc with her physically. Lord, for Janice Key's cousins, who their family has now suffered loss on more than one occasion due to this pandemic. 
Lord, we, we ask your special spirit, a special portion of your concern and of your upbuilding for that family who is in dire need of it at this time. Lord, for the Lopez family, particularly for Horacio, as he continues to heal from his back ailments, and for Bessie, who will be starting a new class now, we pray that all will go well for them in, in their areas of concern. And Lord, we ask that you continue to give Beverly a healing in her body that she may recover from this most recent mishap. Lord, we pray for those who are not able to be with us this morning, that wherever they are, you would keep them safe. We thank you, God, for this body who has faithfully and continually met together through this means of media over the last several weeks. We thank you for the spirit that keeps our hope alive and now will eventually in the near future make things where we can be back together. Dear God, we ask you to forgive us of our sins, to keep our spirits up, and to keep blessing us as you have so diligently. Through Christ we pray these things. Amen. Man, thanks, Kevin. Um, first of all, thanks to everyone who filled out one of our surveys uh, or forms this last week. It's really nice that we all agree on the resurrection of Jesus and our unity within him because we agree on like nothing else. Uh, but um, I'm just kidding. We agree on lots of things in, in medium-sized groups. So after looking at, at where a lot of you are, uh, we know there's a large number of members that are wanting to continue staying safe at home. And we are going to make sure that you have ways to do that while staying connected to what we're doing at Northwest. Uh, we also have a large number of members who are ready to uh, be back looking at each other's faces. Some of you want to look at the top half of faces only with masks on and some want to see the whole face. We're going to kind of keep working on some of those logistics as we move forward. Uh, but what I want to let you know today is next week we will still have Zoom service at 10 a.m. So we'll still have Zoom service here at 10 a.m. Uh, and everyone's invited to that. Uh, and then we're also going to have a service at the building at 3 p.m. And that's just going to be for those who uh, are really ready to get out and to do that. And we're going to have, we've got a lot of logistics to kind of figure out uh, in terms of seating and um, other stuff. That will all come out um, through some emails and Facebook and other stuff throughout the week. Uh, so be looking for that. Uh, but that'll be next Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, at the building. And then that service will also be uh, streaming on YouTube live. And so we'll be sure and have extra information about how you can be watching that so uh, if you want to worship at home next week, you can do that twice. If you want to do both, you can do that. If you only want to do one, we'll be at the building at three in person. You can do that at three. So lots coming there. Uh, and then also um, be thinking and praying right now about March for Missions. Uh, that is coming up in June. So welcome to June for Missions. Uh, we're not going to restart the whole thing. Uh, we're just picking kind of up a little bit where we left off. We're going to be doing a couple things a little bit differently. Uh, our contribution Sunday uh, will probably be, I just closed my calendar, um, will probably be June 21st. So we'll do a week or two of talking about March for Missions leading up to that. But June 21st will be our March for Missions uh, Giving Sunday. And if all goes accordingly, we will be doing uh, giving by mail and online and in person and by pledge cards. And so however it is that you want to be contributing to that, but be thinking about uh, March for Missions coming up in, in June for Missions. So welcome to the, the really wild world that we're in today. So thanks again uh, for your patience and all of this. And I'm excited to see some of you guys next week and blessings on you as we finish. Uh, so with that being said, uh, Family of God says, amen. They took away my unmute button. How do I?
I think you have to unmute yourselves. I've yeah. lost that power. Hey, man. Thanks, Sunshine. I think we're on first. Hi, Daddy. Patrick, finally get out of bed. Terry and Coleman. Two ten pounds. No, I didn't say words. I don't see him. 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 I